As I was praying and talking to the Lord about what to share today, I don't feel like I have a, a preach per se, more of a share what the Lord has been doing in my heart and my life so that lights in my eyes. <clears throat> Just lately, and he has been teaching me a lot about, to put it in one word, I would say wholeheartedness. And... I don't, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean whole as in healed, although he's in the business of doing that too, but wholeheartedness being 100%, whole, every part of my heart being his. Um, And it feels like this has been going on for like a year, just he keeps pummeling it, Um, so there must still be more. So I feel a little bit sober trying to articulate it because I still think there's more to come, but um, we're always growing and maturing, so we might as well share as we go, hey? Um, So it started with um, him helping me understand purity of heart, uh, which I think is connected. Um, In my youth, I always, when I heard purity or purity of heart, I would think just about sexual immorality, like in the... In the Bible, it's often referred to and connected to purity, which is great. That's an that's a important message. Um, but I began to just upgrade my understanding that when Jesus came, he brought a new way and a higher way, and he fulfilled the law, and he actually rose, he raised the standard. So it wasn't just about particular behaviours anymore. Everything became about the heart. And instead of being on the outside, he was, became, it became very relevant what's happening on the inside. And it was Jesus coming that made that switch. And so purity of heart, I began to understand it as everything that nobody sees. <laughs> it's all the stuff you guys don't see about my life. <clears throat> it's my every hidden motive that's not hidden to him. Uh, it's my thoughts, it's why I do what I do, why I say what I say. And we've all got, we've all got this going on. Um, and Jesus just made it clear. Like, if you look through the Word and start looking for this, it's very clear. It's all about the heart. Like, I might lead worship or p- preach today, but do I respond when he beckons me <laughs> when I get home? or tomorrow, on Thursday afternoon or Tuesday morning, do I answer his call? Do I stop what I'm doing? Do I obey? Like, that's where it's at. Uh, Which is a much bigger deal than do I sin or do this list of things or not. Like, it blows the lid off all of that. Um, do I guard my heart? The Bible says, above all, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. I think I said it right. Above all. It's a really big deal. <laughs> um, and it says, the pure in heart will see God, Matthew 5, 8. So it seems really important and critical that we pursue this and apply this and understand this. Um, 
So that's where it began and then kind of led into wholeheartedness, the 100%ness of my heart belonging to him and for him. So in 2 Chronicles 16.9, I think it's up there. I've got this one written at the beginning of my journal um, and I look at it often. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth so that he may support those whose heart is completely his. There's all these nuggets in the thick of these Old Testament stories. You're like, wow, I love having that up there. It's great. So he's looking, he's going around looking whose hearts are completely given. He's looking like he's actually on a hunt. He's on a search. And it's not about are you saved or not. It's whose hearts are like 100%. Who's the 100 percenters? Who's the all-ins? I'm looking for them. He's looking, he's looking. Like that was back then, and I believe he's still looking now. Anyway, so he's kind of been pummeling this concept of wholeheartedness, 100%, nothing, nothing withheld. And if you camp there long enough, it starts getting confronting if you let it. And you start doing an x-ray of your, your life. Um, and if you invite him, he'll come and show you if there's anything there that needs to be given. So the other day I asked, it's been like a year and he's, keep, he's still on it. And I'm like, God, why? I feel like you've told me about wholeheartedness again and again. Why are we still covering this ground? Um, and I felt like he started sharing with me about distraction. <clears throat> and I feel there's never been a more distracted generation. However old you are now here... We don't, I don't need to tell you all the reasons why. We're all nodding heads right now. <laughs> um, and I just felt like a, a, a glimmer of, like, his, his grief. You know, as a, as a parent, if your kid's super distracted and you don't get that quality time that cultivates quality relationship, like, that'd hurt your heart, <laughs> And so I just felt a little, just a twinge of that. Um, and, yeah, it felt quite heavy, to be honest. It was like, like the bride had lost sight of the call. Um, like when we, when we give our hearts to Jesus, the moment of salvation, we use this language, like give your heart to Jesus, give your life to Jesus. And it's so simple and that's always meant to be all of it. Like we're actually giving it over the simplicity of that. Um, that we're made for union with him. And honestly, like we don't have anything else to offer <laughs> besides that. Like he didn't make a factory. He made a family because he wanted that. So anything else is just bows and ribbons. Like, if I can give him anything of worth, but the thing that he wants is, is my heart, and whatever holds my gaze holds my heart. So if he doesn't have my gaze, he doesn't have my heart. <laughs> like, the things he wants the most is our attention. 
someone, this leadership dude, I read a book a year ago or something, and it said the most precious thing you can give someone is your attention. Whether that's a kid or a friend or a spouse or anyone, because it's time and it's presence to be present with someone. So I felt him say, like, there's a war for our attention um, and that it's not actually his war to fight. The war is between our spirit and our flesh. Um, And the word in Galatians 5 talks a lot about, like, the spirit is in contrary to the flesh. There's a war going on for our attention. And he's not going to, nor does he need to put on a clown suit to parade for our attention he flipping died for us and rose defeated sin and death gave us the keys to the kingdom and inheritance the Holy Ghost like what else do you want (laughs) everything I have is yours (laughs) like it's so wild It's so wild. You want to hear a testimony? We can know him. That's, that's the greatest testimony there ever was. It's so unfair that we should be a recipient of that. It's so... It's such a gift. Anyway. So I just felt him being like, oh, there's a war on, but like I've done my bit. <laughs> Uh, And it's not even appropriate for him to put on a clown suit, (laughs) you know. And when we feel the tangible presence of God and things like that, and he gives us gifts and we get to see manifestation of his power, like like that's a gift and it's a blessing. Um, But he's already done everything that needed doing. (laughs) He's already worthy. Um, so I just felt his pull, like, and his encouragement, like, don't grow weary. Sometimes we get weary of, like, we get distracted, and then we want to defeat it, and so we ask for help, and, you know, there's good things that we can do to, to clear the clutter and to be close to him, and so we, we put in that effort, and then... At some point, we can get distracted again, and it can feel like it goes on and on. And I just felt his encouragement, like, don't be weary. Like, keep doing it. Keep clearing the clutter. Um, Like, you've got to get this. And if you get this, then you get everything. (laughs) If we can live as the undistracted ones, fully yielded to him, we'll get it all. (laughs) Like, there's no... Like, with eternal perspective, anything else that we would chase is just going to fritter away. So, like, if we can do this, if we can keep our eyes on the prize, then we get, we get him. <laughs> and, he, and he is the prize. And for what he wants to do, he's going to need our whole hearts. Like, 50% won't cut it. We won't get to be a part of everything that he wants us to be a part of. <laughs> and we say bring revival and, you know, do all this stuff, but it's going to take some wholehearted folk. It's going to take some people who are like, I'll lay down my life. I'll sacrifice something. 
Then Jesus told his disciples, this is Matthew 16, 24 to 25. And I feel like this is key because the world has its methods. You can Google like how to be undistracted. There's lots of self-help books about that, um, how to like stay focused. Millions of them. It's a great industry to get into if you want to do that. Um, And Christians are writing lots of books as well um, about that. Um, But Jesus hit the nail on the head. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose save his life, will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That will keep the main thing the main thing, I believe. Like there's not a lot of room for clutter in there. (laughs) If you're doing that, you're probably going to be eyes on the prize. Um, And trying trying to find life and purpose and satisfaction and Whatever, anywhere else other than him is just a chasing of the wind. So this is, I feel like this is Jesus' self-help for us. He's like, you want (laughs) self-help? This is it. Um, I feel like the enemy is so keen to divide our hearts so we lose sight of the one thing. And Naomi was preaching about Mary and Martha, about the one thing, I don't know, a couple months ago. Um which was so good. Um, The enemy wants us to lose our single-eyedness because single-eyed people are dangerous. They actually are the ones that get stuff done (laughs) in the kingdom. If you think of your heroes of the faith, the ones who are just like... Um, I'm sure they have moments of distraction, like of distraction coming, and they need to decide whether to partner with that or not. Um, But overall, I would say that they're not distracted people. They've heard from the Lord what they're meant to be doing. They have their eyes on him, and it's like, till I die, (laughs) this is where you'll find me. And we can hear that and go, oh, yeah, I should be like that. I'm not like that, and it, it can feel like a pressure, but it's like to feel that as a pressure or a, or a have to or a to-do is like just the wrong paradigm. It's an invitation when we see anyone just pummeling it for the Lord, that's like, that invites us into what's possible in Him, um, and it must be relational or we'll get tired of it. We'll get tired of like, oh, I tried to I tried to get rid of social media this week or I tried to do this and, and then I fail and then like it's got to be relational or we'll tire of it and it'll just end up diminishing into a self-help effort which is no different than what the world does. It's like I'm just living a focused life and trying really hard to do that. It doesn't sound like grace. Um, The Lord reminded me of that verse. I don't even know where it is, which is why I didn't put it there. It says, my grace is sufficient, Um, which in other words, I reread that as outside of my grace 
is insufficient. <laughs> Trying to live 100% life for Jesus outside of just a relational, daily, daily bread, daily drink, walk with him, man, how exhausting. <laughs> I don't even want that. <laughs> it sounds like hard work. Like he said, he said that he'd give us the sufficiency. He said that he'd give us daily bread. Why would we live without it? So grace is, grace is required for the type of lifestyle that I'm talking about. You, you would need grace to live that kind of life. Otherwise, you're going like to hit a lot of walls. And how do we access, access that grace? Naomi preached last week. We need to be continually filled. Drink deeply every day. Dose of the ghost. So, having a value for not being distracted and for wholeheartedness, I then went, asked, went on to ask the Lord, what are the distractions? Uh, and he brought to mind the parable of the sower, which is in Matthew 13, 22. Um, if you don't know that story, Jesus told a story to help illustrate the kingdom, as he often did, and he throws four lots of seed out. And only one of them bears fruit. And the third seed, which is this one, we'll read what it says. As for what is sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. In the Passion, it says... The one sown among thorns represents one who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart, and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the, the kingdom message, and it becomes fruitless. So it doesn't say it in the Bible, but I feel like when I asked the Lord, tell me more about what distractions are, that he pointed me to this um, scripture. And so we have the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. There's two things like weeds choking the fruitfulness of this seed. So the cares it's the cares of the world. So it's all the stuff, it can be good stuff and worldly stuff that you're not going to worry about in heaven. In eternity, none of this will matter. Um, and not all of them are evil. Most of them I don't think are evil. But anything has the potential to be a distraction. Your spouse could be a distraction. Being the perfect parent could be a distraction. You know, any of these good things. Church could be a distraction. All these good things could become a distraction if they're not the one thing, right? And they take that place. So just to list a few, we all know that there's plenty of stresses in life, the cares of this world, and I just listed a few. There's instability about the future, there's financial pressures, friendships, relational issues, lots of desires, desires to get married, desires to have kids, desires to make an impact, advocating for social justice, building a business, caring for... Uh, your house, caring for the environment, caring for a pet. Don't get me started on that one. 
um, health problems, job, future, insecurity. There is so much cares of this world, isn't there? And that was like a 10 second, like, oh, I feel like I should make a list. Like, I'm sure you've got more and I've got more. Like, it just goes on and on and on. Um, And they can just be distractions <laughs> from the simplicity of knowing Jesus. The next one we have is the deceitfulness of riches. Like, I feel like these are the biggies. Like, when Jesus told this story, he's like, the biggies are the cares of this world. They're going to be tricky for you. Like, you're going to have to keep onto those weeds. <laughs> And the other one's the deceitfulness of riches. Like, that's the next one, is money. Deceitfulness of riches. And I don't believe money is evil. Um, but wealth has this um, ability to be deceptive and make you feel comfortable and like everything's okay because the pressure's off. <laughs> And we've probably all had times when we've felt like, oh, there's room to move and I feel a bit, oh. and other times when financial pressure is like, it affects you. Um, there's this, I'm not going to go down this road very far, but in Revelation 3, 15, 22, I was rereading this. This is the chunk about um, being lukewarm I'm like, Lord, no one ever wants to preach that verse. Um, anyway, there's two bits in it that's talking about deception. So it says, um, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Like, it's just interesting. So that he's comfortable in that place not realising, so it's like there's something going on that you're not aware of. You're actually deceived by not needing anything and being prosperous. It's deceiving you. The reality is that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments, which is talking about righteousness, so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So there's a real like vision problem that's happened because of this prosperity and the wealth. He's kind of sunken into this, um, comf this complacency um, and lost his vision of the actual spiritual reality. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what are the two big, the biggies for the weeds? Say it loud, Achille. Cares of the world. Deceitful. Front row. 
Awesome. <coughs> Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. Jesus, red flag those. Just be aware. <coughs> okay, speaking of deception, is there a picture up there, Isaiah? <coughs> we pause for an ad break. Who likes Lego? Put your hand up proud. It's all right. It's a safe place. Um, I really don't enjoy Lego. My son, he's seven, he really loves Lego. And the Lord has spoken to me a few times through Lego. And I, it's my sacrifice to sit down and play Lego because um, I hate it. <clears throat> anyway, um, Giddy, um, Lord, help me be short, sharp and shiny. Giddy um, got a reward a year ago for a sequence of very good behaviour. He overcomes some big challenges in his life. Um, and so I bought him, he knew that this was coming, a $300 um, embarrassingly expensive Lego. <laughs> Thanks. One of the best investments I ever made. Um, so he got this crazy Lego. It's remote control. It's very fancy and complicated. Um, and he spent all this time building it, and then he had it going, which was amazing. It's, it's pretty big. It's like this. Um, and the cousins were all like, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and anyway, so he builds it. It's awesome. And then one day, I think he took it down the stairs, and this tiny cog on the inside that's like a five-cent piece came out. And it was like right in the middle of the guts of this thing. And it, it took like a week to build it. So it's bad news. <laughs> and we're like, try and drive it again. And it's like nothing. And this cog was helping everything work. It was like the inner cog. Um, anyway, so this very expensive Lego became an ornamental piece in his room for the next nine months. Um, that we couldn't actually use. Anyway, so if about, about, I don't know, two weeks ago, he decides, I'm going to deconstruct this, which is a whole work of art in itself. Like, it's crazy. And then I'm going to build it again so that it works. And I'm like, but kids, we've st we missed the whole point. It's not working. It's because we lost that bit. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And I gave him lots of warning. But it took him like a week to, to deconstruct it. Every day after school, he'd deconstru deconstruct a bit more. He finally, he had it all in a container. And he's like, gets this big manual out. It's got like a whole Bible to build it. And he's like, all right, I'm ready to start. So he starts building. And then he gets up to the point where he needs this cog. And he comes to me and he's like, I need the cog. I'm like, I told you this would happen. Um, anyway, so we look online. If anyone needs to know this, Danny, if you lose a piece like that, you can get on to, like, Holland, where all Lego comes from, the genesis of Lego, and they've got all the parts, and you can order that one part, and it'll cost you, like, a lot of money. <laughs> it was, I was like, I looked it up, and I was like, we could get three and it was going to cost like 40 bucks to get these, these tiny little bits of plastic here. And I'm like, if you want to wait, 
I think that's the plan. Let's order it and we'll get that special cog that you need and then you can continue, but you're going to have to pause and wait for it to arrive. Anyway, his little boy's heart's just, I mean, you can see the thing, it's majestic. And, and he's on a mission and he's like, ah. Oh. And so just he, what do you call it, ignores wisdom and decides, he convinces himself that it'll all be okay. And he's just got his heart set on the rebuild and the gloss of this glorious machine. And he's like, I've come this far. I think if I just do it, I think there's a chance it'll just work again for me. And I'm like, kids, don't do it. Anyway, he was deceived and he decided to keep building, convincing himself that it would work. Uh, Two days ago, he finally finished it. It was time to plug it in, re-download the app and press go. And he's one cog down. And this thing, I can feel you're all like... (laughs) It goes... And then just stops. And that's all he got for like two or three weeks of every day after school work on this thing. And I'm just watching him like... (laughs) And he's just so devo. He can't believe it, even though he knew that this, he knew it in his head. <laughs> but he, he, just, he just pepped himself up and thought, it's going to be all right. And it's going to work without the cog. Anyway, so he was very devo. Um, it was self-inflicted. Um, and so the Lord starts speaking to me about what has happened here and how Giddy had um, fallen in, he gave into the deception that if it looked complete, like on the outside it looked perfect again, if it looked complete, then it would be complete. And if it looked whole, then it would be whole. But it wasn't. It was still dysfunctional. It still didn't work on the inside. Nothing had changed. <clears throat> and it did not function as he dreamt it would and as it, was, as it was designed to and all he was left with was this great disappointment and a shiny truck. And so I began revelation, obviously, that the Lord is the cog. <laughs> he is the cog on which every bit of our life turns. And we only operate with him in our, full, in our fullness, with him at the very centre of it all. This, this is the master plan. It's the master design. Here's my Lego manual. It says that Jesus is to be at the centre at all times. And, and if he falls out, he's got to get back in there. <laughs> right? It doesn't work without that. <laughs> And it's an inside job, not an outside job, right? This little cog, you couldn't even see it from the outside. It was so hidden in there, doing its bit. <clears throat> I feel like at times we can or people can, Christians can, um, try alternatives and try to engineer some other kind of Christian life Like, there must be some other variation where it works without 
just full surrender. <laughs> Maybe there's another option that's not so uncomfortable. Maybe I'll surrender 80%. Maybe I'll take some of the more comfortable parts of God. I love friendship, friendship with God. And maybe I'll just put lordship over there. We need the whole Christ, the whole cog. And we're not to be deceived. We can't engineer our lives without him at the center. Anything less will be disappointing. Like it's deception to think anything else. If he hasn't got everything, if he's not king of the heart, it's deception. And anything else will be disappointing. It doesn't work. (laughs) And it'll be confusing. Because you'll be like, how come my life doesn't... It's like, well, does he have everything? Are your eyes just locked on? He's not an extra. He's the centre. Everything else is an accessory. So I'm obviously not talking about token Christianity here. If you don't know Jesus here today, I'm talking about like full life surrender. So come at the end and give him your whole life. It's kind of all that. It's all or nothing we believe here. (laughs) Um, it's either true or it's not. Either he's worthy or he's not. Religion isn't particularly concerned with wholeheartedness, I have found, like the religious mindset. So in the Bible, it talks about pure religion that is good. That's the heart of God. Um... But we also know that there's religion and we talk about religious mindset, which is making an idol, I guess, of the practices, the um, structure, the law uh, of the kingdom, but just missing the relationship with him, the very, the very centre, the man that is Jesus Um, So I don't think religion is particularly concerned with all of this. It just needs boxes ticked. Um, And there's a big difference. And I've got this little table here on my paper. Um, Can I get two people? Lauren. Lauren's back up on holiday. Woo! Okay. You're going to be a lover of God. Isn't she a lover of God? You are a lover of God. And we need someone with good thick skin. Sam? You can come and have a religious mindset over here. (laughs) I'll just brush off, pre-brush off anything here. You're you're good to go. Also a lover of God. Um, The Lord has been highlighting the difference between a religious mindset and the mindset of a lover, right? And the lover will far outrun what's required of religion, this one will just keep going. You see people in love, it's like, you guys are doing stupid stuff. <laughs> it's not just what's expected or what the obligation is or what's required. It's, it's way beyond. It's like, I'll do anything, right? So we've got these two ideas. Um, and we're just going to look at a few scrippies that highlight the difference 
Um, so the religious mindset is asking, what's the bare minimum? Like, okay, spend time with God. Is it like an hour? Like, that sounds like a pretty good, pretty good Christian. Spend an hour every morning, maybe get up at five, you know. <clears throat> what's the bare minimum? Is it like a chapter a day? Like, just tell me the number and I'll do that. Tick. Um, how much, insert resource, how much time, how much money um, do I need to give to give and to give God? How much time? Uh, and how much can I get away with before it's sin? Like, how close can I get before it's, like, not okay? Because I want to get as close, I'll, I may as well get as close as I can to that. But I, won't, I don't want to do anything wrong. Like, so that's what the religious mindset is thinking. And Lauren over here is thinking, how far can I take this relationship with Jesus? Like, how far does this go? How deep does it go? How far can I push this? How much honor can I give him in my life? What do I even have that I wasn't given? Everything I have is his. So there's no argument about resources. What do I have that I wasn't already given? She's thinking, she's asking the question like, is there anything in me that's withheld? Because I, I don't want there to be. I want there to be for, for him to have everything. So she's, see they're asking really different questions. Um, the story of the widow's might, uh, Mark 12, 41 to 44. <clears throat> you guys keep doing what you're doing, doing a great job. Um, this story wrecks me, hey. Uh, and he sat down opposite the treasury, this is Jesus, and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Isn't that interesting that Jesus sat there and watched? Many rich people put in large sums. Maybe you can do that, Sam. Put in a large sum in the offering box. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said, True story, I say to you, this poor widow over here has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contribute out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Sounds like a hundred percenter, sounds like someone who's all in and it sounds like a lover. The next little comparison is the concept of grace. So in Romans 6, I don't think I put it up there, Paul is explaining, introducing this concept of grace, which to the Pharisees and the people of the law is like, ah, if we have a religious mindset that just wants to tick the boxes and then you throw in grace, that would be really dangerous because then she can do whatever, sin, 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 and we'll just get lots of grace to cover over it. So in the religious mindset, grace is like, um, it's enabling sin, right? 
But over here, for Paul, grace was the empowerment to lay down his life. He's like, because of grace, oh, I can just... You can have my life, you can have my body, you can have my money, you can have my job, you can have my relationships, you can have my future, you can have my... Like, you can have it all. Because i got grace. Grace is the empowerment. It's got nothing... Like, covering sin, like, what? What are you even talking about? By no means. Grace is the fuel. It's like the wind in our sails. Like, we're getting somewhere with grace. We can do everything our heart. Like, we can respond to him... In, in these real ways because of grace. Anyway, religious mindset is function-focused while the lover is presence-focused. And she's asking questions like, where are you to God? What are you doing? What are you saying? And she's being present herself to the one who's given his presence. So then we have the story of Mary and Martha. In Luke 10, 38, 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha, that's you, Sam. You're awesome because you welcomed him into her house. Open the door. Welcomed him. Welcome, Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary who sat, you go and sit down there, Jesus has arrived, so Mary takes a seat, sitting at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, keyword distracted, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Sounds like cares of this world. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You guys can probably sit down. Give them a clap. (laughs) Thank you. Sam, you're one of the most loving lovers I've ever seen. My last little contrast here, I'm about done. Is that the religious mindset I feel just levels off. Like when it's received something or in a pretty kind of comfortable place, like, oh yeah, like I know God, it's good. life's not terrible, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job and, you know, I I think we're good. (laughs) It just kind of levels off. Whereas the lover is crying out for more and is not satisfied. It's asking what's what's possible, (laughs) And it has this, like, rumbling uh, of, I don't want to be like Giddy's truck that looks great on the outside and, and just 
actually doesn't function that well. <laughs> Does, it doesn't function in the fullness that you designed for me. I'm not content to just look okay. <laughs> I'm not content to look whole. I want to be whole. I'm not content for it to look like you're the centre of my life. I want you to be the centre of my life. I'm not content for it to look like you're Lord. I want you to be Lord. <laughs> like, they're such different things. They sound similar, but they're leagues apart. And this is what Jesus was trying to bring in. You know, he's like, forget the gloss. <laughs> forget the Christianese. Sometimes that Christianese is just distract distracting. Like sometimes it can cover, you can learn it, you can learn Christianese. Just be like, like that's half the problem sometimes, <laughs> you know. Um, I've got, <clears throat> a little bit to read you from Song of Songs, this is my last bit, I need to hurry up. <clears throat> I feel like the Lord just, um, you know, it's all by invitation. <clears throat> I'm not really talking about being saved or unsaved today. Uh, but I feel like we're all made for the fullness of the gospel and the fullness of him and that we all do desire this and... Um, the weeds pop up and they can distract. <clears throat> but the life of a lover, like that's, that's on offer. Um, which just ruins you for the ordinary. Um, I will read... The Song, Song of Solomon's like a, uh, it's like a picture, it's a story of a, a bride and a bridegroom, and it's a picture of um, the church or the believer's relationship with, with Jesus. Um, and so it kind of reads like a, like a play. And in here, the bride says, <clears throat> this is after they've, they've united, <clears throat> which is quite interesting. She says, after this, I let my devotion slumber. She let it slumber. <clears throat> but my heart for him stayed awake. I had a dream. I dreamed of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkness of night. The melody of the man I love awakened me. I heard his knock at my heart's door and he pleaded with me. And then the bridegroom king says, arise my love, open your heart, my darling, deeper still to me. Will you receive me this dark night? There is no one else but you, my friend, my equal. I need you this night to arise and come be with me. You are my pure, loyal dove, a perfect partner for me. My flawless one, will you arise? For my heaviness and tears are more than I can bear. I've spent myself for you throughout the night. And this is very interesting. The bride responds... I have already laid aside my own garments, and the garments is a metaphor for righteousness. So I've already laid aside my self-righteousness for you, 
How could I take them up again since I've yielded my righteousness to yours? You have cleansed my life and taken me so far. Isn't that enough? So interesting. She's like, like, I've yielded my righteousness to yours. You've cleansed me. You've made me your bride. Isn't that enough? It's so weighty. <laughs> he wanted, no, it wasn't enough. <laughs> A few chapters later, we get this. I'm just going to read out this chunk. And this is the bridegroom kings. This is his heart. This is God's vision for what union with us would mean and what it would look like. And I just, do you want to chuck some music on us? <clears throat> Um, just want to encourage anyone who feels um, just tired in love, I guess, just needing a fresh touch of the love of God and to, to be reminded of what God's idea for union with him was. Romance was his idea. <laughs> he started it. So it's not on you to, like, it's his big idea, and, and he'll lead you to it, if you want it. <laughs> he says, fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. thank you that this was your idea <laughs> this is your design for us for a fierce unrelenting fire as we yield everything to you thank you for your master design this is how it works this is how it will work this is how we will live in the fullness is walking in this kind of love.
I just thank you. I just, I just pray an encouragement. Thank you for hope, God, over every heart here. Just hope, hope for that romance, God. I thank you that there's more. I just rebuke and and sh- we just shake off just weariness that comes from that idea. We hear that a lot. There's more, there's more, there's more. And if we're not experiencing the more, it can feel like rhetoric. <laughs> we don't want empty words, God. We want the real. And if you say there's more, then... We don't want to be disheartened, but we want to be. <laughs> we want to be open, and we want to be ready, and we want to be pursuing and believing, believing that there's more. We believe. <clears throat> we stir up our belief. We stir up our belief. If you believe that there's more, just say, I believe that there's more. (laughs) We've got to believe it. 